book of Philippians this evening, Philippians chapter number four, uh, Philippians chapter number four, and uh, it's been a good day in the Lord's house, and I enjoy the fellowship of God's people, don't you? And I enjoy being around God's people. The music's been wonderful, hasn't it? Uh, the choir special, uh, y'all should be more excited, the music's been good, hasn't it? Choir was good, uh, the, there you go, okay, uh, be careful what I ask for, right? Uh, the, um, the hymns, I love singing those old hymns, don't you? And congregation is singing. I wonder what it's going to sound like when we all get to heaven. And uh, we'll, none of us will be tone deaf. What a choir that is going to be when we all get to heaven. Uh, then the special music uh, was wonderful. Uh, but didn't you enjoy Tori's off story? It was amazing. Worth the wait, wasn't it? Worth the wait. So all of those that worked so hard in the music department, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, it's in that apartment, but in every uh, avenue behind the scenes, uh, even those that are already preparing things for the conference. And uh, God is good to us each and every Sunday. And there's a lot of work that goes on before the service ever starts. Prayer, prepara preparation, uh, study, different classes, all those things. And uh, certainly uh, it doesn't always get acknowledged. Uh, it's not uh, overlooked on purpose, but I promise you the Lord takes notice of every little thing that's done for him on his day. And so I uh, certainly appreciate that as your pastor. Certainly I uh, want to encourage you to continue to serve. And uh, while you're turning there, I remind you the list out uh, to sign up to help in the conference. Uh, there'll be many things that you can be a part of and help with. And we'll look forward to seeing what God does that week. Philippians chapter number four. Um, if you've been around the Bible much at all, been in church much at all, you're, you're familiar with this passage of scripture. <clears throat> Tonight I'm going to read... Uh, verse 1 down through verse number 13, most of the chapter tonight. Uh, and then I'll, I'll look at this very practically this evening uh, for it to be a help to us. Begin with verse number 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown to stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Paul is writing <clears throat> to the Christians at Philippi, to the church at Philippi. Uh, he writes in verse number 2, I beseech Eodius and beseech Cynthia that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Uh, I bring this out in some other of my other studies. Isn't it interesting uh, that even in Paul's day, he says, will, will you and you get along? Uh, say, well, why does that happen? It's always happened, because that's what pe people. He says, for the sake of the gospel, uh, as, as fellow laborers, uh, he greets all of them. Verse 4, rejoice and the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. How often should we rejoice? Always. We should always be in the mindset of rejoicing. I know what you and I like to do. We like to put a little disclaimer there uh, because, you know, we're different. Our situation is different. And uh, when God preserved this word in eternity, he knew all the things you'd face. He knew all the things I'd face. And you know what God still says? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Verse 5, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, 
and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and now at the last your care of me, having flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, I've mentioned to you this morning and already this evening, I'm going to speak on the subject of contentment. Let's look at verse uh, number 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul writes that he's not speaking from the perspective of his need. We fail right out of the gate because oftentimes we speak from the perspective of just what I have to, I need. That's one of the keys that we find Paul also stating, I've learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, he wasn't talking about necessarily location, although location is included in that. I've lived in several states. I lived in Indiana for four years. It was hard to be content living in Indiana. It's not what the Bible's talking about here. But tonight, I want to speak on this subject. The state is contentment. Think about that for a moment. Whatsoever state I am in, the state we should want to be in is contentment. Where our mind is, is contentment. Where our motives are, contentment. Where our dreams are, contentment. The state that we want to be in is contentment. Father, help us tonight as we consider uh, the truths found in this passage. May we apply them. May we live them. Uh, may we use them to help others. And Father, I pray that your will be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, often we would hear these words and uh, we would remind ourselves in whatever our situation, whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. We teach our children to be content as we should. We remind ourselves that we should be content as we should. We think of that word content, and I'm going to give you a, a definition tonight, and then we'll look at some things practically. It means literally held, contained within limits, hence quiet, not disturbed, having a mind at peace, satisfied, so as not to repine, object, or oppose. Okay? Think about the definition of content or being, con being content or contentment. It means contained within its limits. Uh, sometimes we're not content because we get outside of our limits. We, we get frustrated because we assume that we should be able to do something that's outside of our limits. Uh, parents, let me help you. There's some things you can't control with your kids and you get, you get discontented, but there are things outside your limits, things that you can't control things that you have no power of over. We can do that when it comes to our church. We can do that when it comes to all areas of our life, our spiritual life. Well, there's things I should be able to control. No, we're all limited. It's, it's, it's contained within its limits. It's quiet, not disturbed. How many times do our, does our mind go places uh, that they shouldn't, it shouldn't go? And you're just, you can convince yourself that you're not happy. You can convince yourself you don't have enough. You can convince yourself you're going to starve to death. You can convince yourself that if you don't have A, B, and C by tomorrow, that, that, this, that, that the world's coming to an end. What, what happens? Our mind is disturbed. We don't, contentment is having a mind at peace. 
we get to a place where this is what God's done for me. This is what God has given me. This is where God has put me. Therefore, it's God's perfect will for me. And my mind is at peace with that. My mind is at ease with that. It's the mind that tells us that we should have more instead of accepting this is what God's done for me. A lot of times, and this does not mean that we should not try and improve ourselves. Wednesday night, I'm going to be teaching on, uh, Lord willing, on dealing with our friends. And one of the aspects of a friend is that a friend will help us grow. God wants us to grow. We shouldn't be content where we are in our spiritual life, but we should be content in the state that we're in. Our mind should be settled on that because that's who God made us. There's a lot of people who are discontent with who God made them because they, 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 they don't have certain things in their life. They have the abilities that they think they should have. They were born into a different home. They have limitations. Instead of looking at it from the right perspective, what God planned a life for me, then he gave me that life. He, he has a will for me that he created me to fulfill that will. Only I could fill this position. Only I could, 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 could have these children. Only I could do this task that God has for me. We don't look at it wrong. Our, our, our mind is not at peace. It means easy, satisfied. Are you satisfied with the goodness of God? Because you can't get better than God's goodness. And be satisfied, content with what God has given us. Why is all that important? The, the last part of that definition is important to give context to the actual definition. Why is that important? So that we don't repine. We don't sit there and think away all the reasons why this is not good enough, why we shouldn't be content. We don't object or oppose. Be content. We find that in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want. He's not speaking from that perspective. For I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now notice that word therewith. That's not a word that we use often. But simply means with that or this. So if you think about the, the, the definition of these words, to be at peace with, content, at peace with what God has done, at peace with my limitations. Uh, sometimes, and I'll go back to this, many are frustrated because they've not yet made peace that God has given us limitations. Well, I should be able to do more. Who says? Well, if I had more time, you don't. Well, if I had more strength, you don't. If I was younger, you're not. So we must be content. Well, if I could go back, it's not possible. I could be settled in my mind that these are the limits that God has given me. Well, what limits? This or that. Whatever it is. Therewith, to be content, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to be Content in my mind, in my spirit, I'm going to be satisfied with what God has done. Let me look at this passage, these 11, or these 13 verses, and I'm going to give you some practical things. Are you ready tonight? Number one, contentment comes from a heart of gratitude. Contentment comes from a heart of gratitude. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, but let me say before I read it, you find somebody who's not content, there's, there's ingratitude. An ungrateful person, well, I'm just not happy what God's done for me. You're not grateful for what God's done for you. 
But I think I should have more. You're not grateful for what God's done. Contentment comes from a heart of gratitude. You cannot be content until you're first grateful for what God's done with you. You can't be content. Young people, you can't be content with the home that you grow up in if you're not grateful for the home that you grow up in. We cannot be content with the job that God's given us until we're grateful for the job that God's given us. We cannot be content with the life that God has placed us in without first being grateful. I promise you, there's somebody who's got it worse than you. You've all heard this. There's, there are people who would literally kill to have your life. That's how good we have it. We ought to be grateful for what we have. Look at me at verse number 1 through 7 again. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown to stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius, I beseech Synthi, and they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose name are in the book of life. The, Paul, we, 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 years ago we did a study on his companions. Paul had a special place in his heart for everybody he served the Lord with. And he now is addressing them... And you could, he's thankful for their labor. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul's perspective of contentment comes from a place of gratitude. You can't rejoice if you're ungrateful. Why would I give thanks for this? Well, that's because it's not a heart of gratitude. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. How many? Everything. By prayer and supplication with grumbling, let your requests be made known unto God. I think that's how some Christians read it. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. God doesn't mind you asking for things, but we ought to come with a grateful heart, a grateful spirit. Let you rejoice in the Lord always. You rejoice when you're grateful for what God's given you. You and I need to be reminded from time to time what we really are. Anything we have from God, friend, you hear this, and I believe, I believe you believe it to be true. But it's good for me to say it and us to be reminded of it. But I've been to other places in this world. We don't have it bad. We have it good. No matter how bad you have it, we have it good. And we ought to be satisfied that God has been so good to us and grateful that God has been so good to us and grateful for what he's done for us that comes from contentment comes from a heart of gratitude. So if I want to be content, I must first be grateful. Are you grateful this morning, that this evening? That might be why you're not content. Because you're not thankful for what you have. Well, I just, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I, want to, I, need, I should be doing this or I want to do this. Well, are you grateful for what you are able to do for the Lord? The opportunities you do have. Well, we ought to, be, we ought to come from a place of, a heart of gratitude, contentment. Number two, contentment is considerate and selfless. It's considerate and selfless. Makes sense, doesn't it? Just by the definition of contentment. Just what we, we know in our mind contentment means. But I remind you, perspective of this letter, and we see it in verse number 10. We'll read this in a moment. They had, he's acknowledging and he's thankful for their help in the ministry in the past. We look at verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly 
that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. There's a time now where they were not able to help as they helped in the past. They liked the opportunity to labor with him. They liked the opportunity to provide him with any means, with help. And he acknowledges the only reason you're not helping is because you just couldn't, weren't able to do it. They, they help as they could. And see, contentment is considerate and selfless. Paul was writing from an aspect, I know that you would help if you could, and you and I, to be content, we must be considerate and selfless. We live in a society where everybody's like this. And you better give me. And I deserve to have this. And I, you know, this is what I want. Brother Hintz and I were talking the other day. We have the, the Christian transfer portal. Those of you that are familiar with college football, you know what that is. If you don't give me playing time, I'm hitting the portal. And somebody's going to pay me money to, well, we as, as, as God's people, God help us. We ought to be content and selfless and considerate that people help as they could. Well, I don't know why my parents wouldn't do it. Maybe they couldn't do anything more for you. We ought to be thankful for what they did do for you. No, how, how come this changed with them? Why couldn't they do more? Why couldn't my church do this and this? Well, may, maybe the church is doing more for you than you realize. Maybe we ought to be thankful for what has been done. Paul understood that life is like this. There are seasons of life, and if they could help, they would. But he did not come from a perspective of, this is what I expect you to do for me. Because he writes in verse number 10 about if you had the opportunity, you would. In verse number 11, he says, I'm not talking to you from a perspective of my want. Because I'm content. I've learned that whatsoever state I am in, to be content. In other words, if God has not provided you the means to help in my need, it means I'm where God wants me to be. It means that God doesn't want you to help with my need at this time. Is this making sense? We say we believe in a sovereign God. We say that we want the will of God. But oftentimes we fail to recognize that the needs we have in our life are the will of God. And the fact that he places people in our life to help us fulfill the will of God. But sometimes God doesn't make that opportunity available and when it's not available, you know what we should find in our heart? Contentment. How is that? Because we come from consideration and selflessness. Because if it's about us, it doesn't matter what God is or is not doing in your life. You better take care of me. You better meet my need. You better help me out. You, you, better, uh, you, better, you, better, you better drop everything and do what I need. Contentment is considered selfless. Number three, this is, these have been good truths so far. Would you agree? But if you forget all that before you get out the back door, don't forget this next point that I'm going to make. Contentment is learned. It's learned. I believe, and for some reason, God is just, I've emphasized this. There's a lot of things we as Christians, we get frustrated because we think we should already know them. 
we think we should, well, I've been saved this long. I should have God's wisdom. There's only one way to have God's wisdom. It's through the word of God. You're not born with it. Contentment is not something that comes natural. But it is something that is learned. Notice verse 11 and verse 12. Not that I speak in respect of want. Man, I wish I was a Christian like Paul, don't you? I mean, the moment he got saved, he was equipped to write half the Bible. No, we know because we've seen it in the study on the Great Commission that there was somebody who took the time to see that he got baptized. There was somebody who sat down. He knew the law. He knew, sat down with him, and, and, he, and he, he met Christ. Christ he was saved at, at Christ's hand on the road to Damascus. We know this, and helped him grow with the brethren. There was somebody who helped him get to that point. So we know that when he got saved, certainly he had a special calling that only he had. But he didn't just automatically have contentment in him. How many times do we get the sense of contentment? If I'm in jail, I'm at peace with that. If I'm out of jail, I'm at peace with that. If I'm being beaten, I'm okay with that because that's the, I don't like it, but that's the will of God. His mind didn't go back and revisit it. Well, i gotta, I got to take a mental inventory and see if this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. If God has allowed it, this is what I want in my life. But even Paul said, I had to learn that. I had to learn it. There are things that we have to learn. And as a child of God, you and I should have a desire to learn to be content. As I started this evening and talk about gratitude and being thankful, that that's something that we have to make a point to be. And, and the contentment is like, oh, I don't know if I'm content. It's something that's learned. How is it learned? I'm glad you asked. Because he writes in verse number 11, I have learned in whatsoever study I am there to be content. Verse number 12 gives some insight into how he's learned. So how did the Apostle Paul learn how to be content? Well, he writes, I know both how to be abased, I know how to be abound, how to abound. Listen very carefully to me, Christian. When we are abounding, we, that comes by the hand of an almighty God. But God also knows we need to be abased. If everybody's patting you on the back, telling you how wonderful you are, it's not long before pride sets in. We have to learn how to be content. God knows we're but dust. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful God's a long-suffering God, a merciful God, a gracious God? But also because he knows we are but dust, he knows we have pride problems. And he says, I'm going to have you abound, but you also need to be abased. Because in those times of blessing, we ought to give praise to God and give honor to him and rejoice in that and enjoy those times of abounding blessings. But just because you and I have those times of being abased does not mean we're out of the will of God. It does not even mean God is displeased with us. It means he is teaching us. Some of us, and by some of us, I mean all of us. There are lessons that we can only learn the hard way. 
You don't really, you can, you can believe in the grace of God, but until you've had to depend on it, then you really believe it. He says, I've learned this because I had times when I was abounding, had times when I was abased. There are people who would die for the Apostle Paul. They risked their life for the Apostle Paul. But there were also people who hated the Apostle Paul. They cursed his name. I promise you, if, it, if, if, we, if Paul, if this took place in this day, there are Baptist preachers that would go on a campaign to cancel the Apostle Paul. When you're with those who are blessing and they encourage you, wow, this is wonderful. But you just walk around the corner and there's somebody else that's going to curse you. God knows what you need. We've all, and, and, and I believe that life is about seasons. We go through ages, those are seasons. There's seasons of blessing. It just seems like everything is just, and God, then there's seasons, it seems like everything is hard. Everything is a struggle. God knows. What else did he say? He said, I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. How do you learn this? Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. There's times when he's full. There's times when he's hungry. What's he doing? He's learning how to be content. He's learning to be satisfied, to be contained within the limits that God has placed upon him. So he's hungry that he's full, both to abound. I like that word abound, don't you? And to suffer need. If the Apostle Paul needed to learn the lesson of contentment by having, notice, don't miss this third word in verse number 12, I know both. We get this in our mind that it should only be abounding, only be full. Only experiencing the grace of God. But God in his providence and his wisdom knows that if it was only, we would never be content. We would never be satisfied. We would not learn to depend on our God because he has placed us in certain circumstances. He's placed us with certain limitations. And just to be content with his blessings, with his help, he says you need to have both. Now, we enjoy the blessings. We enjoy being full. But if God wants to teach us contentment tonight, if you were in what you would call, I'm not in the abounding, I'm in the abased, learn the lesson God's teaching you. You know, I, I don't, I didn't like, uh, I'll say it this way, I wasn't a big fan of education in school. I had an okay mind at it, but my mind was always somewhere else, like not in school. But I understood this. If I don't get a certain, if I don't learn this now, 
It's going to look the same in that textbook next year. Well, your motivation was, I wish I could say my motivation was to do my best. It was, just not in the classroom. I wish it had been. But I knew enough of this, I might as well learn this now. I mean, there's some things I didn't learn for chemistry. I mean, who can put math and science? Anyway, don't miss the point I'm making. God knows the lessons we need to learn. God's not mad at us. God's not angry at us. God hasn't forgotten us. He's saying, learn how to be content. I'm teaching you how to have gratitude. I'm teaching you how to be content. Boy, we, we, we've had church in all kinds of places, haven't we, over the last many years? Different weather, different... I mean, I remember before we came to this property, I was up early on Sunday morning. What were we doing? Praying. No, I was checking the weather report. Is that to tell me, that determined what the, the attendance was going to be? That determined how difficult church was going to be? It determined how loud I was going to have to preach because of all the commotion on the outside? We learned some valuable lessons. Because if we have God, we have the word of God, we got each other, it don't matter. It don't matter. Well, we learn. There's times to abound. There's times to be abased. We trust God. Well, you can agree with me tonight. We trust God more in those low times, don't we? Well, at least, at least I have God. At least I have my family. At least I have my church. At least I have my Bible. Well, he had to learn it. Contentment is learned. Friend, you and I would be better off to learn the lesson the first time God tried to teach us. But most of us are hard-headed. Most of us are stubborn. Most of us, we forget the lesson that we once learned. And God has to teach it again. Friend, if God had to allow the Apostle Paul to be both. Don't be shocked when he requires us to experience both. Why? So we can learn. Learn to be content. Number four, contentment brings a belief in God's ability. Contentment brings a belief in God's ability. A lot of discontentment comes from the fact that we're depending on our ability. Honestly, discontentment is rebelling against the limits that we have in our life. It's rebelling against the limits that God has placed on you. Everybody in here has limits of their, their ability, limits to their strength, limits to their knowledge. That's the way God created us. Your limits may be different than somebody else's limits, but we all have them. This is why as, as we go through the seasons of life and we get older, we should be content with every stage God has us in. Why? Because that's where God has us. There's a lot of people who can't be satisfied where God has them in, in, in the life of their family because they're thinking about where they were or where they're going. And part of being content is like this is where we are. This is the limitations we have on ourselves. In discontentment, is a rebellion against the limitations God's placed on us. Well, if I could change my situation, I would. Okay. That's probably the most obvious statement we're all going to say today. But when you can't, can you be content with the limitations? Can you be satisfied? 
Can you be so at peace with God's providence and God's will that if this is where God has me, this is exactly where God wants me at this point in time. Therefore, if this is where God wants me, there's no better, there's nowhere I'd rather be. A lot of times, Christians trade that time where God had us in that limitation for what they perceive as more blessing. They perceive as greater, greater things. And in doing so, they're trading the peace that comes from knowing I'm exactly where God wants me, taking complete care of me. And as Paul writes, the only reason you don't have it to help me is because this is where God wants me. Because I've learned that in times that I'm abased, it's where God, I'm learning to be content. When I'm hungry, it's because God wants me to be hungry. Friend, this would do us so much good to realize that to be content where God has us. And that leads me to what I mentioned, number four. Contentment brings a belief in God's ability. You cannot stretch your what God sets as a limit. But God is not bound by those same things you or I are bound by. And so when we become content with where God has us, we cannot depend on us. We have to depend on Him. And friend, can I just say this? I'm getting ahead of myself or behind myself or to the side. I don't know which, which way it is. But if God has us in a place to where we have to depend on Him, that's a good place to be. And if I've got to be hungry instead of full, when I'm depending on God, that's a good place to be. If I've got to be abased instead of abounding and be content with that, that's a good place to be. But that brings us to a belief in God's ability. One of the most well-known verses in the Bible that's, that's, that's one of the ones taken out of context the most. I, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, just in case anybody's wondering, that doesn't mean he helped that player desecrate his day by helping him score that touchdown. That's not what that means. If I will it, it can be done. That's not what that means. Not what it means. What does it mean? It means, though, when I don't have the strength, I can do it through him. It means if I'm content with being abased, I'm depending on him because through Christ, he strengthens me. I can do all things. Why? Because it's not our ability. It's not depending on us. Paul writes that, and the order he writes this is so important because he, he speaks of rejoicing. He speaks of the work that's been done with co-laborers. He speaks of the, where our minds should be in verse number 8. And, and then he talks about how he's thankful for what they've done, but they come to a point in time. I know that you would help me, but you're not able. The opportunity is not there for you to help me. Then he talks about in spite of that, I'm content. Because if I'm in a place where I'm hungry, it's, where, it's because God has me here. He's teaching me. I've learned this, as we all have to, the hard way. He says, but he's not despairing because I can do all things. Paul was not one of these self-help experts that we see today. You can do it if you just think it. Well, that's, I've been trying. That's not working. 
You just believe in yourself. Well, that sounds a little humanistic to me. God, while we're trying to just believe in ourselves, God is trying to get us to not believe in ourselves so that we can depend on Him and His strength and His ability. Because when I am content with where God has me, I have no choice. Does God want you to grow as a Christian? Absolutely. Does God want to bless your family? Absolutely. Does God place dreams and, 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 and goals in your heart to do for Him and accomplish for Him? Absolutely. Say, so, well, I just, it's, it's not happening. It's, 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 not, it's not going. It's not, and young people, listen to me. If you're not careful, you young couples who, who want to do something for God, you'll get discontented because God's not on your timetable. But before He uses you how He wants to use you, He's got to learn you some things. He's got to teach you some things that you've got to be content and satisfied. If he calls you to preach and the only people he ever wants you to preach to is in a nursing home, you ought to be satisfied with that. Because if that's what God wants you to do, that's a high honor. That's a big deal. We ought to be content. We ought to be content with the limitations that God places on us. Serve in the way God wants us to serve. We have to get outside of ourselves. Um, there is no way humanly possible for us to do what I believe God wants us to do as a church. So how confident are you? 100%. Well, why are you that confident? Because I believe through Christ and His strength, we can do it. Hey, Mom, Dad, you can rear those children. Well, I just don't be content with where God has you. Be content with your limitations. You don't have to like it, but you can be content with it. And through Christ, he'll strengthen you. He'll give you the wisdom you need. He'll give you the strength you need. You can make that application tonight, Christian, to every area of your life. Contentment brings a belief in God's ability. I'm going to will it to be done. You know, forgive me. That might be one of the most foolish things a Christian could say. Because there are times when God says, I'm going to withhold the help that could come. Because I want you to learn how to be satisfied. I want you to learn how to be content with me. I want you to be content with my will. I want you to be satisfied where I have you. So you've got to learn that. And when you learn that, you realize that you're not limited by that. There's too many Christians that look at the will of God as the very thing that limits them for doing things for God. Think about that for a moment. Well, if this hadn't happened, this hadn't happened, I could be doing this. No, God, you had to learn something. You had to be content. We're just serving God. We have to be content with doing what God has for us to do. We have to be content serving in the way God has for us to serve. We have to be content living with the thorn in the flesh, perhaps, that Paul had to live with. Living, being, being abased from time to time. We have to learn that. Why? We have to be satisfied with my limitations. Why? Because I have a God that through him 
all things can be done. I have a God that through him I'm not limited because he's not limited. But too many times we can't do more through Christ because we're trying to do it through ourselves. We have to be content. You don't have to like your limitations. I hear complaining from a lot of you, like you're not as young as you used to be. You don't have to like it. What's the state you're in? We have to be content with every area of our life. Well, I hope this is a help tonight. Well, how am I there with, with that or this? You might be dealing with that today. A year from now, you might be dealing with this. So no matter what you deal with, this is where God's got you. If it's a time of plenty, rejoice in that. If it's a time of famine, rejoice in that. Now, if you're not doing the will of God, if you're outside the will of God, God's trying to get your attention, that's a whole different matter. But if you're doing the best you can to live after this book, as God instructs you in this book, because you have those times where you're abased, God's not upset with you. He's teaching you. And too many times we get upset at the lesson. And we fail to learn the truth. Because there's going to come a time down the road, if we're going to do all that God wants us to do, there's going to come a time where we're going to have to be content with certain situations and just, i got to trust God. Well, as, as a pastor, there's some things that I've been praying for, some things that God believes God wants us to do, and it's just like, I've just got to be content with what God's doing right now, how he's doing it. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because he wants to teach us some things. Waiting God is a God that does not get in a hurry. I only have so many years. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. You know, I, I'm going to turn 50, and I haven't taken over the world yet. I mean, I, I, I mean, I understand that. But God's not bound by time. He's not bound by calendar. He's not even bound by your lifetime. He wants us to learn to be satisfied with Him. How am I satisfied with Him? Well, this, if this is if this is where He has me, I have to be satisfied. With where he has me. That's the only way you and I can truly enjoy those times of abundance and blessing is because we learn contentment in the times of famine. We learn contentment in the times of being abased. We learn contentment in the times of being hungry. We, I mentioned going in other places in this world and the things we take for granted, the, 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 thing, the foods we eat, the things we do. People who've never had it, you watch them enjoy it, and it's a whole different experience. In some reasons, it's hard. In some ways, it's hard for us as Americans to even understand that because it's what we've always had. But when we don't have it, well, we certainly appreciate it more. We don't think we're going to have it. We appreciate it more. Let's learn to be content. Are you grateful? Because if you're grateful, you'll be content. Tonight, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. If you have it, if you've been, this discontentment's been in your heart, and it can happen in any heart. It happens to all of us. So how, what do I do with that, Pastor? The first thing I would point you to 
is, are you grateful for what God has done, for where God does have you, the things that he is doing in your life? Start with that gratitude for us to be content. Father, help us tonight as we consider these truths.